Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Young, and I want to be the first to welcome you back to hockey as the Avalanche have finally played their first preseason game against the Golden Knights. I told you guys this would come fast, and here we are. We finally have our first preseason game in the books it's a loss, but it's preseason, and it doesn't matter, and we've got no shortage of things to talk about today, so really no point in beating around the bush. We've got, obviously, the preseason game against Vegas to talk about, but also we have our final Central Division rundown, as I have brought on the fellas from the Windy City Benders podcast to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. But first and foremost, we will briefly talk about the preseason game between the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights, and we will get to our interview with them later on. But first and foremost, we have to talk about the Avalanche's return to action on Tuesday night as they take the ice for their first preseason game against the Vegas Golden Knights, and To be quite honest, I did not know what to expect out of this game, if there was even going to be anything to talk about, and I was very surprised by the end of this game, by just the amount of things that we can talk about from this game. First and foremost, they lose 4-3 to Vegas in regulation. Result doesn't really matter. Vegas essentially iced like half of their NHL roster and the best players that the Avalanche iced were Val Nachushkin and Bo Byram, who are great players, but Vegas was playing like Alex Petrangelo and Jonathan Marchessault. I think William Carlson was there as well. Like they were playing like their group A of their preseason roster while we were playing our group B, essentially. So the fact that this was only a one-goal game, and the fact that this game was close pretty much the entire way through is 
kind of a victory in itself, but in the actual victory is we won the shootout. So who really won at the end of the day? We won the little practice shootout at the very end. So who really won at the end of the day when you look at it? It's the shootout, as we know, are the only thing that matters. But this was certainly a preseason game. There were By the end of the night, there ended up being some interesting things to talk about, but actually watching the game itself was pretty tough at times. There are points the game really dragged on, and the disparity in skill between the two rosters was, was apparent at certain points, and just the, the broadcast of this game was just so bad. This was like Vegas's B team. I believe this was like their AHL team. Like they were, it was driving, they were driving me nuts. They were calling Gabriel Fontaine by his first name at a certain point. Like they knew him on a first name basis. They kept calling Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson. Like those, those are two very, very separate people. They were praising Keegan Colazar on Vegas at a certain point for knocking Bo Byram out for the rest of the season on that headshot that he laid on him when those two teams met in March last season. Like, it's almost like they knew Avs fans were being forced to watch this broadcast of the game, so they went out of their way to make it as uncomfortable for us as possible. But if you were able to at least get past that or find the proper volume to where you could still enjoy the game, this wasn't the easiest game to watch, but Still plenty of things to talk about, and I'm going to have to talk about it eventually. So why don't we just talk about it now? We're going to talk about Jack Johnson, my favorite player of all time. As you all know, I cannot get enough of Jack Johnson, who got two points in this game, including a freaking goal. And he wore an A on the jersey along with Artem Anisimov. Guys, Jack Johnson is making the team. We might as well accept this now. Yes, I know my entire other episode dedicated to Jack Johnson was pleading for him to not make the team. But you know what? He is going to make the team because there's he played too well in this game. They put a letter on his jersey. He scored two points. He actually played well defensively. And we might as well just embrace this at this point. For embracing the Jack Johnson train, he somehow always finds a way to make it back to the NHL. He, I'm telling you, he's going to be on the opening night roster with Taze out. He's probably going to play with Byram like he did in this first preseason game, and I'm going to lose my mind. Because he was really good tonight. He scored a goal. Like, how... Where did that come from? Jack Johnson scored a goal. He took a shot from the point that hit Brett Howden and just bounced its way into the net. Like, you can't make any of this up that Jack Johnson could not be playing any better in a preseason game. He was breaking up two-on-ones. His defensive positioning was outstanding. And I can almost guarantee that when he steps on the ice for game one against the Chicago Blackhawks, all of that will cease immediately. Like it was getting, it was to a certain point like I'm watching him like he's playing well. Like am I am I going crazy? Is this actually what's happening in front of my face right now? Jack Johnson is playing well, wearing an A and is going to make the Avalanche 
I could not believe it. And you can't even you can't even argue with it because he's had a solid camp by all reports. He was great in this first game. This contract is essentially a guarantee. We're gonna be having the Jack Johnson conversations pretty much all season long. I, I said when we signed the PTO for Jack Johnson, he will find a way. And that's exactly what has happened. Because Devontae's is already going to be out for at least the first couple of games. And the way it's going right now, Jack Johnson already has positioned himself to take that sixth spot in the lineup. He's already done it. Already the prophecy of Jack Johnson is being fulfilled. He's going to be great in the preseason for the next couple of games that he plays, and he's going to continue to do well in practice. He's going to get the contract. You know, I want him to do well. I want to be wrong about this more than anything. I want to look back on that Jack Johnson-focused episode and back at this and be like, wow, what do I know? Because what, what do I know at the end of the day? Not much, but... I can't, I can't believe it. We're actually going to do this for the entire season, and let's just enjoy it. You know what? Don't. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to... When Jack Johnson plays well, I'm going to say Jack Johnson played well. When he sucks, I'm going to say he sucked. And hopefully Taze comes back soon, because unless we have somehow magically just fixed Jack Johnson in like two weeks... I, do, I don't know what to say. This guy, he always finds a way. Just like I said, he always somehow just finds a way. I don't know how he does it, but it is incredible. He got that ridiculous contract from Pittsburgh, was one of the worst players in the league, immediately got a new deal with the Rangers after being bought out, was terrible, and somehow worked his way into one of the deepest organizations in the league and is more likely than not going to be starting on opening night. You can't make any of this up. I love it. I want him to do well. I want him to not give that spot back at all. I want him to be the sixth defenseman and just, we we fixed Jack Johnson on our way to the Stanley Cup. I want him to score the Stanley Cup winning goal so it can just be rubbed in my face. I would love nothing more than that, but he was really good in this game against Vegas really good to the point like I said where I thought I was hallucinating because I have I've watched Jack Johnson play I have never seen him do any of that and granted preseason game against guys that are probably not going to be playing in the NHL but still I never would have thought we would ever see the day where I said Jack Johnson had a good game preseason or not so my main takeaway from that is we watched Jack Johnson make the team last night and unless, like I said, we have somehow magically fixed him in two weeks, buckle up because we are in for a ride. Hop on the Jack Johnson train and buckle your seatbelt and just enjoy the ride because this is going to be very, very fun as long as it's not catastrophic like I made it out to be a couple episodes ago. But nevertheless, moving on from Jack Johnson... Bo Byram looks like a bona fide stud. I love this guy. Bo Byram was dominant in this game. He scores the second goal to tie the game. 
and he, he's just so ready. I'm so ready for a full 82-game season from Byram. We were robbed of him so much last season because of the Colazar hit, and then him testing positive for COVID, and then in the playoffs, Bednar just completely lost his mind and continued to play Nemeth over him no matter what. I'm so ready for him to get that spot and play the full 82-game season. And I'm now just having the, the thought again that Jack Johnson, more likely than not again, is probably going to be his partner to open the season. And maybe that'll be great. I don't know. But as someone so elegantly put it on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, playing Bo Byram with Jack Johnson is the same thing as just tying an ankle weight around you when you run just to, to get stronger. Oh man, we're re- we're really going to do this, aren't we? We're really going to do the Jack Johnson thing. I'm so excited. I cannot wait for the the mountains of content that I am going to get out of the full Jack Johnson thing. But anyway, Byram was outstanding in this game. He is ready. He scores that beautiful goal to tie the game at two late in the second period right after the power play. And just what else can you even say about him at this point? He's been outstanding for weeks now. He's clearly fully recovered. He's clearly ready for the NHL. He dominated development camp. He dominated the rookie tournament. He's been making players look silly in training camp. He comes out on the ice in this preseason game against Vegas. He is ready to go. I'm just frothing at the mouth to see him finally against proper NHL competition and getting full NHL minutes with nothing to interrupt him for once. Because last season... That was It was just a mess with him all season long. He starts out in the NHL after just playing in the World Juniors, the Ian Cole trade, and then he's in and out of the lineup. He gets injured once he finally starts to find his footing, and then we just never see him again. And like I'm going to talk about with the guys from Windy City Benders, we're just so blessed to have Byram and Makar because we know what Makar's ceiling is, and it's potentially one of the best defensemen of this generation. I just want to see what Byram's ceiling can be. And if it's even just 70% of the car, it's the Makar. It's the best one-two punch in the NHL, bar none. My other big takeaway from this game was Val Nachushkin and just how good that he looked. I mean, he was pretty much outside of Byram was our best player on paper coming into this game. Pretty much one of the only regulars outside of like Logan O'Connor on the offense playing in this game and he was outstanding a penalty drawing machine just he drew two penalties in like 120 seconds in the second period and he was all over the puck all night long you could not separate him from that puck he never ended up getting on the board which it's it's Val we he usually isn't but it really did not matter with him he was outstanding his foot speed looked outstanding and he really really made a good argument for himself to get that spot on the second line like we talked about last episode. And it's hard to argue after a performance like that. He looks ready to go this season. He looked well above the competition as he should. And let's see what else he can bring later in the preseason. And the biggest takeaway I had from this first preseason game was Pavel Frantzos playing hockey for the first time in well over a year. First time with fans in the building since the friggin' Rangers game before COVID even started to to shut everything down. But this was his first game since he got injured against Dallas in the bubble. 
and you could see that the rust was there. The first shot he faces goes off the post, and the immediate rebound goes into the net. You know, not a great start, but he was slowly but surely throughout the game shaking the rust off as time went on, and honestly, I was confused as to why he didn't really play the whole game. I mean, it was good to see JoJo back in net again, but don't you really want to get Francois up to speed more than anything? Like, it's it's the first game. Like, you can you can play him. Like, it's not like he's going to get tired out or anything or you need to worry about, like, managing his minutes. But don't you just want him to, to shake that rust off a little bit? I mean, it, it's the first preseason game, so there's no need to, like, nitpick anything. But I just thought maybe he should have played the entire game just to get that full action before we throw him into a, a whole season. And maybe, and maybe he will. We have plenty of preseason games left to go, but I thought playing against guys like Marcia So and Petrangelo and some of the NHL guys that Vegas was playing in this one would have been good for him to at least start to to get that timing back at least, and he got much better as the game went on. He played well in this one, and I mean, God bless him. Double hip surgery is no joke. It's, in, it's amazing he's coming back at all. For any mortal human being like you and me, we would be out of commission for years after double hip surgery. There's absolutely no chance. Let let alone playing goalie, which requires like all of your hips. Like you need every muscle in your hips to be just an average goalie. Let alone one in the NHL. But it was great to see him back. Great to see him make some saves and shake off some of that rust. I hope we see a lot more of him in the preseason before we begin the regular season in just a, a couple of weeks now, but a really encouraging start for him. And JoJo, when he came in, was all right. I didn't, I did not like the Betrangelo goal that he gave up, but it, who cares, really? Really does not matter at all. And the other thing is Oscar Olison, who we were talking about, who's struggling a bit during training camp and during the, the rookie tournament, Open the scoring in this one, or at least for Colorado, he ties the game at one with a beautiful shot. And I've been saying the whole time, it's great that Olausen. I keep saying Olausen and Olison. It's Olausen. I need to just. I need to pick one and stick to it. I need to pick Olausen and say it the entire time because I already said Olison earlier. But regardless, he opens the scoring with that beautiful shot, and it's just great that he's getting these opportunities already with the avalanche before he goes back to Barry, And he survived the first wave of cuts earlier today as I'm recording this. He'll probably get another preseason game just to see what else he can do. He's not like he's not making the team. He's not making it anywhere close to the team. But the fact that he's already getting this experience with the team to develop his skills with the rookie tournament and now with training camp and now even against NHL players like Alex Petrangelo and to score a goal on Laurent Persois, who is a NHL caliber goalie, has got to feel great for him. And I can't even imagine the the kind of experience that he's getting from this that he'll take back to the OHL with him. And I can't wait to see what he'll bring to the table in next year's training camp and how much he'll, he'll really grow. Because I wasn't really expecting him to be here at training camp really at all for really that long, at least not survive the the first round of cuts, but the fact that he's been in both the, the rookie tournament and in training camp and has scored a goal against an NHL goalie, it's encouraging stuff. I mean, he's still got a long way to go before he is anywhere near NHL ready, but the fact that he's 18 
and already making these strides is is positive stuff. There's no reason to rush his development or to feel like just after one goal that he's going to be a superstar, but I'm encouraged from the start we've seen from him so far. But that's about it. We had three goals in the game, first from Olausen, second from Byram, and the third, none other than the best defenseman in the NHL, Jack Johnson. Vegas wins it 4-3. to three. The Avalanche win the little practice shootout. Olausen scored in that one as well. And another thing I want to bring up before I move on is that Bowers did look pretty good in this game. I wanted to see maybe a little more from him, but even then, there's no reason that he shouldn't be getting a call-up at some point during this season. That's just my takeaway with Bowers. He'll definitely get a call-up eventually, and he'll we'll, we'll see more from him in the preseason. I don't want to draw any conclusions on him yet after just one, but overall, a positive performance against a team that was pretty overmatched with this Avalanche roster going up against Vegas's roster. The fact that it was a one-goal game and the fact that it was close the entire way is encouraging. And again, preseason score does not matter at all. All that matters is what you saw from certain players on the ice, and everything I saw was encouraging. So we'll be back in action for another preseason game on Thursday. So by the time you're hearing this tonight, 7 p.m. Mountain Time against Minnesota at home, we'll see probably a pretty different roster for that one as well. Maybe see guys like McKinnon and Landeskog step on the ice for the first time, and they'll dominate that game, I'm sure, but we'll also probably see some other guys like Newhook as well. So we'll see where all that gets us, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. But for now, we are going to move on to our final Central Division rundown team, and that is the Chicago Blackhawks. Like I mentioned earlier, I brought on the boys from the Windy City Benders podcast to talk about the Blackhawks and all the moves that they made from Seth Jones to Marc-Andre Fleury to the return of Jonathan Taze and what their expectations are like for this season and how they match up against the rest of the Central Division. It was really a great conversation. If you want to go hear anything from their show, again, it's at Windy City Benders. They've been on the network for a long time now. They know everything about the Blackhawks. It was overall just a great conversation to have, again, like they usually are. This one was about an hour long, so I hope you guys enjoy the conversation, and I will talk to you briefly once it's done. All right, I am joined by Jerome and Tanner from the Windy Cindy Benders podcast covering the Chicago Blackhawks. Fellas, how's it going today? Fantastic. Awesome, man. (laughs) Feeling good. We got day one of uh, Blackhawks preseason, so I'm excited. Yeah, it feels great to just have hockey back for the first time. And we were talking about this right before we went live. A little under three months and what's felt like a really long but also really short offseason. And the Blackhawks have been right in the middle of a lot of the news for this upcoming season, whether it be making trades and free agent signings from guys like Marc-Andre Fleury to Seth Jones and even guys coming back like Jonathan Taze. It's been a busy, busy offseason for you guys. So I got to just ask right away, what is your general feeling about seemingly ending this retool that they've been in for the last couple of years early and starting to, to gun for the playoffs again? Well, I keep saying like on our podcast, like a few times, like I would, I've always wanted them to kind of go the Pittsburgh route of just like, fuck all the future, like maximize your window while you have basically Kane and Taves, how they've done it with like Sidney Crosby, like, like Latang and Malkin, just like 
fuck it all. Stop trying to like keep it somewhat reasonable and just be like, hey, we're going for it every year we have these guys. And now they kind of went back to like doing that, which I I'm all about. <laughs> and they did it. Yeah. They, and they did it a smart way too. I feel like I don't think they mortgage the future as much as a lot of people are talking about. I know the big thing is the Seth Jones trades and what we gave up and what we signed him for. Um, but even that, I think that's being blown way out of proportion. I think that um, the, the trade was perfect. I think that the value was good. I think the contract do I wish it was smaller? Yeah, obviously, especially when we don't know what the, what the cap situation is going to be for the next couple of years. When's it going to start going up again? But I think if you listen to our show, you know, I am a very big uh, anti Bowman guy. I hate everything this guy does and I, I got to give him credit. I think he saw his window to make a change without jeopardizing the future too much. And I think he did a great job retooling quickly. Yeah. Plus he did a lot of, or a couple of buy buy low guys, you know, Tyler Johnson and uh, Mark Andre Fleury didn't really give up much besides Brent Seabrook and a guy that wasn't going to make the show at all. So yeah, <laughs> feels good. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because the avalanche were kind of around the, the Seth Jones rumors early on at least. And I was very vocal on my show that I do not want him. And especially for the price that was rumored for it to be and the price that the Blackhawks ended up giving up. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I made fun of them a little bit for for what they did, but everybody does kind of everybody did. Yeah, <laughs> and that does kind of bring me to how do you guys feel about each part of Seth Jones being in Chicago? Whether the actual trade bringing him in and what you guys gave up, the extension, and Seth Jones as the player, and just how do you guys feel about everything that went down with that deal? In general, we I think we love it. Like. From day one, when he was rumored to be in, uh, in connection with the Blackhawks, I think we were like, let's go. Let's make this happen. We were throwing, I think we go back to well before the draft and our podcast episodes, and we're talking about different trades. Like, what? okay, what would we give up? Would you feel comfortable giving this up? Would you get comfortable giving that up? So I think the general feeling is, as a player, it's amazing. I think he is exactly what this, this decor need, especially now that Key's gone, Seep's gone. Um, we really had a huge hole missing. And so bringing him in to put the minutes that he does is just going to be, is just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that, right, we know that he's had like a couple down years, but also Columbus has been absolutely dog shit. So I think him being in a new environment, also he gets to play with his brother possibly. I don't, I don't know if Caleb Jones is going to see like full ice time, like 82 games, like Seth Jones is expected to, but like, that's another reason for him to be like a little bit happier. He's out of Columbus. Chicago's a great city. He's going to be playing with like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, guys that have done it before. I mean, we brought it, like we said, we brought in Mark Andre Fleury. He's done it before too. We got a lot of guys that know what to do. I mean, we shipped out Duncan Keith, who has eaten a lot of minutes and was way worse of a defenseman than Seth Jones is going to be. And I'm completely fine with that. Like we were spending money on Keith and there was money that was kind of spent towards Seabrook, even though he was on the LTIR and altogether that's over 11 million. And now we're only spending like nine and a half on a guy that's better than both of them combined at this point. It's fine with me. <laughs> and, and how do you guys feel about the, the contract that he got sent? It's an eight year deal, but it kicks in after next season at 9.5, because the main gripe that I had with this is that the trade itself Albeit it was a bit, I think it was stomachable, but I think nine years I thought was a lot, especially when you consider that he's going to be 
hitting the open market a few years after both Kale McCarr and Miro Heiskanen. How do you guys feel about both the term and the cap hit that will make him one of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL? I think it's fine. I honestly, like he was a Norris defenseman, like before, like these last two years that we talk about where it's just kind of like these past two seasons have been kind of dog shit as well as being only 56 games each time. And they, the team that he was playing on was just absolutely abysmal. Like they really only had like good goaltending and Wierenski and Jones, like half the season you get line a who doesn't do shit. You had to start the season this past season. You had Dubois who didn't want to be there. Like it's just a bunch of guys that don't want to like be in Columbus. So him being in Chicago, I think is going to be great. I think it's going to be a cheap deal when he gets back to being Norris level, like caliber player. I think there's a lot of people out there. They're going to eat a lot of their words that they're saying. It's like the worst contract. Um, and then it's going to be great because then you have all the guys like Kale McCarr, but when they have like their new deals coming up, they're going to be commanding as much money or if not more, because it's kind of the same as like when Taves and Kane both got their $10.5 million deals. And then you're like, Oh shit. Like that's what the guys are making. Like we're going to have to pay up for all these superstars. And then a lot of teams are dropping like way more cash than they thought they would be. And we're just kind of making te- other teams pony up like more, more money. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel like this contract, while it seems a lot right now, I think once the cap gets moving up and these guys that no doubt are better defensemen than Seth Jones are going to need to get paid. They're going to, what they're going to be getting, it's going to make this look like nothing. And I think that right now, so this is a question too. I say is ask me again in four years. Yeah. Because right now for the first year, you're one through four. I think of this contract, maybe one through three. I don't have any issue with it. I think that it's a fair value for it's like for the potential that he has to go back to that level. And I think it's going to be a completely different game. Like Tanner said, with the environment that he has in that locker room and the players and the experience and all that, I think it's gonna be completely different. So I think it's fair value. Now, when you get to year four through eight, that is kind of like where it's going to be. It's, it's the Sieb situation. Sieb's got paid big, I know what you're, I know, I know what you're, <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like, it's a different situation where Steve's got paid big front end. It was paying off. Great. Back end is when it started hurting a little bit. He's going to yeah, be younger. Yeah. He's going to be younger than Seabrook when that back end hits so that it might be different, but I still don't know. You know, you never know, like eight years is a long time. <laughs> so who really knows what happens injury wise and progression of skill and all that. He's going to only be like 35 by the end of this deal where Seabrook would have, was going to be like 39 by like the time his deal ended. And he was already way past his prime while Seth Jones is like in the middle of his prime. Yeah. Bad example, but I think the only <laughs> example I had. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just like the idea of like Adam Fox has a deal coming up and he already has a Norris trophy and New York is going to have to pony up some big bucks for Adam Fox now too. And they already have Panarin at like what? 12 million. And then I, they have guys like Lafreniere and Kako, and it's just a situation like they're you're going to have to see a team like that go all in or they're going to be losing a lot of players. I think if anybody's got to be mad at, you know, a defenseman signing the contract for like, you know, setting the setting the standard, I think it's got to be people met Colorado and McCars deal. I feel like because he's such a like his so he's an incredible, he's like one of the best guys. I wish we had him kind of thing, but like for how good he is and for how young he is and how much he's getting paid already, that's going to set up. Like, I mean, that's going to set the standard for the league, not, not Seth Jones. So I think Seth Jones is going to be like the average going forward. 
Interesting. Because Seth, Seth Jones definitely kind of set the market for the couple of weeks there with Darnell Nurse and even Zach Wierenski, his former teammate in Columbus that got signed. And it kind of the, the McCarr contract came out first as a, a nine million six year deal. And at the time, it felt like a lot. Well, not a lot. It was fair value for a great player. But if I felt like after the Jones deal, it got better over time with Jones, obviously, and then Wierenski and then Nurse getting the, the big money deals that they got. And with Adam Fox, I think they're probably going to be looking at Kale McCarr's contracts quite a bit. And Tanner, you were right earlier. When Carr, when that contract is up, he's going to be getting paid. But the great thing about it <laughs> is that that is a problem for six years from now. And we yeah, just bury true. that and <laughs> not have to worry about it for a while. And hopefully he can have a couple Norrises and maybe a few Stanley Cups in there if we're, we're feeling hopeful today. But the other big impact move that the Blackhawks made this offseason did not cost them nearly as much. You can argue it cost them absolutely nothing at all. And that is Marc-Andre Fleury, who, in my opinion, is the biggest wild card with this team as to what they're going to be this season. So what kind of impact do you think that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have with this team? Is it going to be the the Vesna caliber goalie that he was last season? Or do you see maybe the the guy who was starting to fall off like he was two years ago being replaced by Leonard and stabbed in the back in Edmonton in the bubble. <laughs> I think what, so big picture, I see him as a mentor. I see him coming in and just passing wisdom on to Lankinen. Kevin Lankinen is the future goalie of the Blackhawks. I, I, I stand by that. I've said that since back when uh, he won gold in the, in the worlds with Finland, I thought that he was going to be the guy had an amazing season last year. So you bring in a top caliber guy like Mark Andre, who I still think he's going to have a huge impact. I still think he's going to play great. I don't think he's going to fall off. Like I think people think he's going to, um, yeah, he is older and all that, but he, it just seems to be getting better and better as the years go on. But I think the biggest value that we have is we have one year, $7 million. He gets the mentor, our young guys. I mean, Delia or Subban might be around too. Like, I think they might roll three goalies on that roster, main roster. I don't know what they're thinking, but yeah, but still, you're going to have these young guys around a multi Stanley Cup champion, a Vesna winner, one of arguably the best goalies in the NHL. I think he uh, he's going to offer a lot for this team and more than just playing. Then I think that's big picture, in my opinion. What also you got to realize is like every time he's just been kind of given away or given up on like he's performed insanely like when Pittsburgh gave him away to Vegas he took Vegas to the Stanley Cup final when Vegas decided hey I uh, kind of like fuck you we're gonna go with Laner and then they lost in the playoffs then he comes back and wins a fucking Vesna <laughs> and now he just got given away by Vegas to us he's probably just gonna take over the world and become president or like uh, <laughs> I don't know like <laughs> prime minister of Canada or something like that it's just going to be insane. He's just every time he just gets better and better. That's what yeah. I expect. <laughs> yeah, Mark Andre Fleury is he's going to when he finally does call it quits, the the 30 for 30 or the Netflix documentary on his career is going to be a fascinating one to watch, especially the the exit in Vegas. And I don't know if at least until he retires, I don't know if we'll ever have 
an answer on just what really happened there and the way that it did. Because coming into this offseason, I said that they probably should trade Flurry since he was at a high value and that they would get a haul for him back and clear up the cap space to use otherwise maybe for their center depth. And then they traded him. And can you guys name the, the person the Blackhawks gave up to get him? Hakarainen. Hakarainen. Because oh, that's where the I, name got. Yeah. <laughs> that's a real guy. He's real a guy. Sixth rounder not made up. And the only thing I know about him, honestly, I, I, I asked, yeah, I asked you guys that because I legitimately forgot his name. And the only thing that I remember about him is that didn't he get terminated by Vegas like a yeah. couple of weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. It was like two weeks after he, they acquired him in the trade, they terminated his contract. <laughs> and they're like, all right, $7 million. There we go. We got cap space. And just what it's just such a strange situation. I mean, because it's not like it was coming out of the bubble where it was rumored that they need to attach like a draft pick to Flurry just to get the cap hit out of there because they just signed Leonard. I really thought that if they were going to move Flurry, it was going to get back a huge return because we're talking about Flurry right now. And we're talking about him like being a world beater again. He, he just won the Vesna. He's the most recent Vesna winner. And we're talking about him potentially taking over this Blackhawks team and taking them to another level. I can't believe that you guys got him for nothing at all. Like it so, still yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So what happened though with that is he pretty much told Vegas that, Hey, you want to move me? It's Vegas or Pittsburgh. Otherwise I'm not playing. That's like, true. I'm yes. retiring. So Vegas called this bluff. And I was like, okay, once I found out, I got nervous that we were going to get screwed over with the cap if he if he just had to retire. Once I found yeah. out that was a non-issue, I was like, oh, hell yeah, no matter what, we win. Like, awesome. So, um, yeah, some dumb calling his bluff. And no team is going to have really that cap space that could potentially convince him to play. Like, how many teams that have the cap space can you go and say, hey, we have a Patrick Kane, a Jonathan Taves. Like, we have historic franchise that are always seems to be just a couple pieces away, key pieces away from, you know, being a contender again. And I think they showed with, with picking up Seth Jones, McCabe, um, Tyler Johnson, and all that. They're like, hey, you might be that last piece that we really need to be a contender again. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not, I might even say they're going to, like, be a true threat. But I think now that with him in tow and people seeing him seeing like the environment now with training camp going on, like he's like, okay, this is a hockey town and this is a team that can get behind him. And I, and the fans are going to love him. And it's so funny because it's like, I even said, I go, I will never buy a goalie Jersey in my life. The day we got him, I'm like, I'm going to buy a flurry Jersey. (laughs) Like like, it's just, everybody's so excited to have him in here. And I think once he kind of realized like what it's going to be like in Chicago, that I think he really bought into it. And that's, it's amazing. And it's, it's super exciting that we still have that pole as a franchise, despite the last three or four years. Yeah. I really hope that the Hawks don't like do them dirty. They only did, they already kind of did them a little dirty. I don't know if you ever saw, but there was a social media post by the Blackhawks with their uh, Hawks store. And they posted uh, all the new jerseys in like the, the Hawks store itself. And <laughs> it's like all the new guys and like front and center was Marc-Andre Fleury's jersey but it was spelled wrong <laughs> and it was F-L-U-E-R-Y. And it was like, oh, why is How everybody got that wrong? 
I don't know. Not only, not only, not only, how do you get it wrong, but how do you go through probably several people to get that wrong? (laughs) Yeah, like that's that's what's in my head here. Like that's not just like one person. You gotta, you gotta, (laughs) like you gotta program like that jersey to be printed. Someone has to look at it once it's done. Another person is bringing it over to the store. Someone else has to hang it, and there's a whole team taking that picture and someone else is then posting it. How does that get through everybody? That's just shows that, like, that is more impressive, honestly. It the just shows that, that like, a lot of them are not hockey fans. Like They must not be hockey fans. They must just be like in that kind of line of work. And then they're like, this seems right. <laughs> I, guess, I guess not. I, I mean, like not one person <laughs> caught that. Well, everybody one? on social media caught it and it got taken down right away oh they fixed God. it but it was I, hilarious I, I love to think about just how many of those actually got printed that's oh, yeah I that's really cool. hope it was just the one if it was just the one or not like i par- really hope there was more than one just either, either way, just to, way just to get I the really, it. <laughs> just to get I really that hope that's rare. the dirtiest thing that they do to them i honestly like i don't want pittsburgh or vegas kind of like action where we just give up on them and throw them away like, I hope that's the dirtiest thing that happens. And like I said, as, as long as I'm to the point, too, where like, if he wants to just keep playing on a Joe Thornton style year by year and we want to keep giving him one year deals, like as long as he's like not hurting the team with his skill or, you know, something like that, let him go out on his terms and let it be Chicago being the team that allowed him to finally go out on his terms in a, in a way. I yeah, love and, that. I would love that. With- and with Flurry, e- even if he one day just wakes up and it's not there for him anymore, it's Mark Andre Flurry, like yeah. the nicest person on the planet. I feel like you, even if he's not going to play goalie, you still just keep the guy around because he's Mark oh, Andre Flurry. I was even thinking about that for the locker room because, like, we used to have Burrish and Sharp who were like the, the prank everybody. Like they would do Blackhawk TV videos of them just pranking Taves and Kane when they were rookies and stuff. Bringing Mark Andre, who's known for that too. Like just to like, you know, if it gets stressful this year, like obviously there's going to be some growing pains with this new roster and all that kind of stuff. Having a guy with Mark Andre who can just be a jokester and all that kind of stuff. That's a huge value too in itself. So like there are so many levels of why this was a great pickup for the Hawks and how it's going to pay off at the end. I also yeah. like knew that he was probably going to play for the Hawks, even though he threatened to like just retire. Cause it's like Mark Andre is too nice. He's too he's too nice to just quit when a team like trades for you and like wants you to play for them. <laughs> he's probably like, all right, well they want me there, so yeah, I'll go play. <laughs> probably got a big smile as he's like texting that to his agent, yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not gonna play. It's a big smile, like, no, I'm 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 coming, I'm playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I just this is my opinion. I don't think he thought Vegas was gonna trade him. I I right. didn't think he because. Th- as we all remember, he found out on Twitter that he got traded. They didn't even like call him to, to say goodbye beforehand or anything. I think he really thought they were going to keep him. And that was really just to, as a way to be like, well, you, if I would say I'm going to retire, you guys are going to get nothing for me. And obviously you don't want that. Right. And he didn't take into consideration that apparently they would be fine with that. And so I don't, once he got traded, I think it, there was maybe just that initial shock. And once he got over that and realized he had time to get his family over and everything, because from what I remember, that was the big thing. He wanted to stay yeah. in Vegas because that's yeah. where his family is. And he moved his family there and everything. And to up and move them again isn't something that he wanted to do. And then Vegas kind of just strong-armed him. Like, I, I can't – this is going to sound wrong. I hope it comes out right. I can't wait for him to retire just so we can get that story of just mm. why Vegas yeah. – 
did that to him. I don't want him to retire, but when he does, that's going to be a a fascinating story as to just why they would do that. Cause Vegas just does that for some reason. Yeah. In their short history, they've just been like doing some dirty business to like their, their people. Like they fired Gallant out of nowhere to sign DeBoer as soon as he became like, as soon as he was let go by the sharks. Like it was just insane. (laughs) was, and it's like right after, or like the season after they had just faced them in the playoffs and like defeated battle right after that game. After yeah. DeBoer called Gallant a clown, didn't he? Yeah, like he in that playoff series? It was, it, it's just Vegas is like, oh, he's he's available? All right, Gallant, see you later. Nobody gives a shit. It's like, he's brought you to the playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals, and you're just like, no, 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 you're not our guy anymore. Like, we want Peter DeBoer. I think, like, think Vegas' ownership <laughs> feels like a little pressure to be, because they were so good so fast, that any sign of something going wrong, they overreact. Yeah. That's and I think a that's thing. a huge, huge factor, which is why I think it's really good the way Seattle's building their team. It's like expectations very low for that team. And <laughs> I think like it's only going up for them. Like they got time to build where Vegas was. We're winning. We're in the Stanley Cup. Now we have to do that every year to keep these fans happy. Yeah. I mean, Vegas has gotten rid of all three of their first round draft picks in their very first draft already. Like they're all gone. <laughs> Yeah, and even you look at the their expansion draft. I think they have like what is it Marcia So and Carlson and who even else is left from expansion? Tuck. Here, I actually uh, have their roster yeah. pulled up right now. Yeah. <laughs> Shea Theodore, who's a huge piece of their um Yeah, yeah but I th- those guys, those guys were like trades though, weren't they? Oh, so actually, yeah. no, Shea Theodore was a part of it. They were t- they they were expansion. They, Anaheim, Anaheim, Anaheim gave Theodore to Vegas in order for them to take someone else. Yeah. Clayton Stoner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, let's see, Brady McNabb, uh, William Carrier. And then, yeah, that's, I think that's it right now. Yeah, Braden McNabb. Yeah. And that's, so they've got four players left from expansion and we're not that far into Vegas's existence. Like no. we're not at all. 2017. Yeah. Because they lost the Caps, lost the Sharks, lost to Dallas, lost to Montreal. So this is year five. Jesus. Yeah. So they are all over the place. I honestly, I might just get one of the the Vegas guys on here just to ask them, like, what's going on here? Like, what are you guys? <laughs> what, are, what are you guys doing? Like, what's your team gonna look like every year? Like, who's yeah. who's gonna actually be there for a while? Because it seems like it, like the the management does not care <laughs> at all. There's even talks like of patches being moved. I was just about to say that. Like Pacioretty's <laughs> yeah. been in trade rumors. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you gave up so much for him, and now, okay, see ya. Like, right. what are you doing? You're, get You're not performing play. enough. Like, yeah, I, lo- I love this stuff. It's so great. Yeah, they're they are just an endless barrel of entertainment. Now, on sometimes all for the wrong reasons, but the, it's Vegas. I guess it's always showmanship over there. Yeah, very true. Yeah, but getting back to the Blackhawks a little bit here, because that's what you guys are here for, right? The Blackhawks. <laughs> but yeah. uh, one of the other big storylines didn't have to do with trading for anyone or signing with anyone. It's getting someone back, and that's Jonathan Taze. So what kind of impact is Jonathan Taze going to have on this upcoming season? And is he really going to, to come back? Is he really going – I mean, he's going to come back eventually, but is it going to be at the start of the season? Because – Forgive me, I'm not up to really up to date on the Blackhawks training camp. Has he been at camp? Is he kind of yeah. ready to go? Yeah, yeah so he's, game, go he's at preseason game tonight. He's starting. Good. Okay. 
Yeah, so he's going to be in there. Um, he's been at camp. He's had, like, there was, like, the welcome back videos that he made, which, like, coincidentally enough, were released just at, like, the perfect time when the Hawks were in the news for all the wrong reasons. And yeah, it's just been, like, firing up the fan base. He looks good. He said he feels good. Uh, I don't know, Jeremy, what else has been going on? Yeah, anything else? No, no. So, yeah, he was talking and he was asked about that, that exact question. Like, are you guys going to be, is he, are you playing and all this? And he says right now he's on, he's on track to be starting the season with the team and all that. Um, given the, the situation with, you know, I, I, I really already forgot what it was called that he is dealing with, but it's chronic tired syndrome. Yeah. Something along <laughs> I don't, that. I don't remember it's, what it's it like fatigue either. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it can obviously change on on a dime uh, how he's feeling, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, he's feeling great. He's feeling good. Um, him, how much is he going to play this year if he does come back for the start? That's a great question. We kind of have been talking back and forth about that ourselves. Um, I don't think he should be playing all 82 games. Um, I know he's going to want to play all 82 games and hopefully all playoffs, four rounds of the playoffs. But um I think that you just got to kind of with him, it's going to probably be a, a day by day basis. Once the season gets started, um, how he's feeling, how's, how's he going? It's going to be weird if he doesn't play like back to backs uh, or they, they give him that healthy scratch every now and then. But um, yeah, I would, I would love Carlton to play it safer than, than not with this situation until we fully know what he's going to be. Yeah. And if he, is able to come back to 100%. What kind of impact do you expect that that's gonna to have on their season? He's one C. Yeah, he's our he's our he's our main guy. He's our, our top center. We haven't fits that that up the middle at all. Um, I think Tyler Johnson is an option up there up up in the middle. Kirby Dock still hasn't really been proven because um, he hasn't had a full season yet. But he is gonna probably be expected to be Jonathan Taves. And I mean, other than just being like the one seed, he's going to bring more to the power play. He's going to bring more to the penalty kill. Um, it's like the leadership alone is going to be great because even during the shortened season, he wasn't with the team because of like how he was feeling. So having him in the locker room and showing, all, especially all the young guys that like emerged last season, just being around him is going to help them even more. So it's it's always been said that like, even if he isn't, performing at the highest of level his leadership is just like so insanely like immeasurable and it's like all the intangibles like that he has that can help bring a team together and like pretty much level them up I'm really excited to see more of Jonathan Taves this year yeah okay. um he yeah I know you pretty much nailed it like he's just it's so hard to describe what he means to the team because what he brings and what he does is it's not registered on the score sheet. It's not registered. You know, people don't see the, the fancy stats that everybody else it's, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a fresh, it's a breath of fresh air knowing that he's okay. And all that kind of stuff, because there was rumors going around Chicago, like scary rumors about what he was dealing with. And so it was on from like ALS to like all this other stuff. So where everybody's like, Oh, what's going on. So the fact that he's even back in the rink with the guys skating, preparing to play is just, it's amazing. Yeah. And obviously I've heard nothing but great things about Jonathan Tays throughout his career in Chicago and just the, the kind of leader that he really is there. So 
it, it's tough to imagine that he's not going to have a really big impact right away. And you look at the, the, the Hawks stars like Taze and Kane, who have been there for a while. We talked about bringing in Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury. But there's one guy that I think has really flown under the radar, especially last season because the Hawks kind of tapered off towards the end of the season. But that's Alex DeBrincat, who mm. had one of the best <laughs> – seasons for a goal scorer last year what did what he score 32 goals wasn't he up there in the the goal scoring debate yeah i think he was in the the end of the season top five and i've never really seen anybody talk about it even though debrinkat earlier in his career was kind of like a how did everyone miss this guy kind of talent and then he had a a down year and then the hawks kind of tapered off a bit seemed like people stopped really paying attention to him how much do you think that Debrinket is flying under the radar now? And what do you guys expect from him this season? He's my favorite player on the Hawks right now because yeah. <laughs> like everybody, everybody knows him as like a goal scorer, but all of last season, his two-way game developed so insanely quick. Like he was stripping people from the puck. He was by the end of the season, he was playing the penalty kill with Kirby Doc. And I was like, I think that our penalty kill at some in some instances against other teams might actually be more dangerous than the other team's power play. If you have Doc and Debrinket out there at the same time, it's it's insane how much more defensively minded he's become. But he still has this elite scoring touch. And like you said, like he had this down year, which was terrible. Like he's only put 45 points in that year before. And then he comes back in the shortened season and puts up 54 and or 56. Sorry. And it's just. Yeah, 32 goals, 56 points. He plays with Patrick Kane. They're, he's become what Panarin used to be to Kane, where they don't even have to like say anything to each other, and they know where the other person's at, and you just get something magical almost every time they're on the ice. It, it's so great to watch him. And another thing that you see like now during the draft is just like a smaller guy is then compared to be like, is he the next Alex to bring it like steal in the later rounds that can probably like play pretty goddamn well. Like I think Cole Caulfield was like, looked at that as well, even though he was still a first rounder, but yeah, love the kid. <laughs> Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Week 3 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 4 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this one. If you head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game, you can receive $150 in free bets instantly. That's $1 on any single game this week for $150 in free bets right away. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. And best of all, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and I've always enjoyed watching DeBrincat play in Chicago. I mean, especially when he got drafted. This, correct me if I'm wrong. This was after the Hawks won their third Stanley Cup in five years. Was the twenty six? Was this the fifteen or sixteen draft that he got picked by the Blackhawks? Fifteen. Fifteen, because we actually got him with the draft pick that we traded Shaw for. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah we traded Shaw we pick up the Brinkett and then we end up picking up Shaw back down a couple of years later which is just hilarious to me yeah just there was a there was a point in time where it just seemed like the Blackhawks could do absolutely nothing wrong they could win the cup and trade their draft picks and still get a prospect and an eventual player like Alex DeBrinkett because everyone was afraid of him because he was too small for whatever reason every every single team passed on him when we have one of those guys in our own and sam gerard granted he was picked by nashville but he was a second round guy and not a huge guy who's now turned into a bona fide top pair guy with us so you still see it for some reason all the time teams haven't fully learned their lessons and i don't get because the way this game is designed now it like it benefits those like the smaller quicker guys so it's like i don't understand why people are still like oh no no too small too small like no this is what the game is designed for now like yeah. and it's and it's especially like especially to i don't know if we'll ever see another example like to again because of just how good he was coming into the draft like it's not like this was just like oh this guy is really good maybe take a a low round pick on like there are people arguing coming in like this guy should be maybe a top 10 pick he's that oh, yeah. good and he he, was, he he literally scored like back-to-back 60 plus goal seasons in in the ohl no yeah, yeah. oh and that yeah. was even after he didn't have mcdavid with him no 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 that was then a third 60 goal plus season oh. without mcdavid yeah and so- because they were just like oh he's just a product of strome and mcdavid and then he's like i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing here and then uh, I'll see you Hawks next year. <laughs> yeah. And then Strom went to Arizona third overall. And we all see how that went out. Now he's in Chicago. Funny how yeah. it works out at the end of the day. Uh... Trade rumors. <laughs> Everything that we do, we always say, just throw Strom in there. <laughs> what I was going to say, it was funny because when you were speaking of like Sam Gerrard, whenever the Hawks were playing like the avalanche, like not, obviously not last season, but a couple seasons ago, like Gerrard and Debrinket just go at it. They're like the same size, and they're like, "Fuck you, no, fuck you." It's like, <laughs> I'm the better small guy. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. Yeah. To, it's it's fun to see stuff like that, though. Like, you love to see the scrappiness out of the little guys. So you're like, "Yes, just keep going, everybody." <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna be another fun matchup for them when they meet in the beginning of the season. But we'll get into more of that later. I wanted to ask you guys now about the, what do you think the the strengths and the weaknesses are for this Blackhawks team? They've undergone so much change this offseason they're bringing back so many guys the attitude around the team has shifted but and what would you say is now what they do best and where do you still think they are the most vulnerable even after all their moves oh i find i feel like me we both disagree on this sometimes even better Uh, yeah like there's sometimes like i think that our bottom six forward lines is still not the greatest. I think our top, our, our top six. Yeah. See our top six are for sure. 
it's locked down and all that. And I think it's just combination is of the finding that right combination in the third line, third and fourth line is, is a huge weakness. And I think ultimately, as much as I'm a, I'm a Colleton guy, I think a huge weakness is the inexperience of Jeremy Colleton. Um, the fact that now he's going to have a legitimate team, it hopefully that, that changes something for him. But he, the second something goes wrong, he just is lines in a blender and he just throws everybody out there just trying to get something to work. And it just, he needs to learn to kind of like just stick with something for a little bit longer, give it a little bit more time, everything to gel, the way he changes everything up. They don't have time to find that chemistry and all that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other weaknesses. I know it sounds like such a Homer thing. It's like, I'm just having a hard time right now because on paper, it just, it, it's starting to feel like 0809 a little bit where all the pieces are coming together. And now it's just a matter of seeing how is it going to play out? But yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I'd say I'd agree with like the Colleton thing, just because there was times last year, like a lot where we're down by a lot and he just throws, like you said, throws the lines in a blender. There was a time when we were playing Nashville, we literally had like 20 shots, like the game, like during the game. And for whatever reason, never changed the game plan the entire game. And it was dump and chase. And all Pecorino did was get the puck and move it to his defenseman. They break it out super quick. And for 60 minutes, we watched dump and chase hockey. And I was like, what kind of dog shit, like, coaching is this? That, like, where you've seen this for the last 50 minutes right now, <laughs> it has not worked. You've changed the lines up, assuming that the line changes were going to work, like, with the same game plan. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I hated seeing things like that. But then there's like other times where like everything's clicking and like the systems are working and then the complete opposite, like nothing's clicking and everybody's wide open in front of the net for some reason, like against us. And I don't get it. Um, another weakness I'd say going into the season is defense, just because I don't know what it's going to look like. It was a weakness last year, um, but we did overhaul the D just a little bit, bringing in Seth Jones, Caleb Jones, Jake McCabe. Um, we kind of got to see what our rookie defensemen were going to be doing. We're going to catch more of like, how, like, how is that going to shake out today? We'll see. Um, we're Stillman too. Yeah. More of Riley Stillman who they're pretty high on. Um, and then like, obviously our, our offense is just great. Last year was a nice surprise to have like one of the top power plays. Um, hopefully that carries over into this season. We got a lot of deadly weapons out there right now. Um, unlike Jerem, I think that our bottom six is or could be pretty good. But like we've said before, it's the problem of the blender of the lines. It's just the combination of the bottom yeah. six. And that's why finding, it's the, like finding the chemistry is the biggest deal. But we have a lot of we like we kind of got like a surplus of bottom six guys at this point now, too, where we don't know where some guys fit in the lineup anymore. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like Strom is not a top six guy, but does, is he a third or fourth liner? Or like, I don't know. Like we had, we picked up Adam Gaudet. Like, is he going to go back to being possibly a good, like middle six guy? We, we got Henrik Borgstrom out of nowhere from Florida who didn't even play in the NHL last year, but he was showing like some promise in his, when he was in the show on Florida, like a few years ago, it's like, where does he fit? And it's just like, 
we got Lucas Reichel coming in, who's our draft pick from like two years ago, 17th overall, who's tore it up in Europe last he's, year. And he's looking good so far in the rookie, uh, the rookie camp and then the training camp so far. Oh my God, this yeah. kid is going like, to, where, where is he, where's he fitting? And then the same thing of like down the middle, like if you're going to go, they had in training camp, they had the line of Debrinket, Tyler Johnson and Kane then you're kind of making Kirby Doc basically your third liner unless he's playing left wing, which he's not because it's Kubelik Taves and then either Hagel, Kurashev, or somebody like that. And it's just kind of like, I don't see our bottom six being an issue. I think the issue is finding out the chemistry to like what works. <laughs> we have a good that, amount I of I guess that. that's a better, yeah, I guess that's a better way to put it. Like I think our top two forward lines are, 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 are obviously our strength right there because I think minus one or two, I think it's just minus one guy. I think it's Tyler Johnson where he plays is what's going to set up like everything else kind of for those top two lines. I think the five out of the six are set. Who's going to be up there. It's Tyler is Tyler Johnson going to be a top two or top six guy is going to be a third guy role role guy. What's what's he bringing to the team. And then after that, it's just filling in the blank. And then of course, now we're going to have to have Nylander force on us again. And yeah. try to make him a thing again, which I, I just, I wish this would just experiment would end with this. Like that's a huge thing. I don't like with Bowman is he takes all these top draft picks and tries to get some cheap and tries to make them work. And it worked for Strom for half a season. Hasn't worked since Nylander just, he it hasn't worked for Nylander. Obviously he was out last year with an injury, but he has in a little bit of time he has played with the Hawks. He's just shown, no will to be out there, want to be out there. It's just, yeah. Uh, sorry. Extreme inconsistency. Andy Lander Lander. Yeah. He, he's shown like promise and like some amazing ability every once in a while, but then you're like, where the hell did he go for the last 20 minutes? When you're getting called out by our announcers mid game. Oh, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> that takes a lot. Yeah. For the, for the announcers to go, yeah, maybe this guy isn't playing very well. That he looks like, he I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard an announcer go. Yeah. This guy's just not doing it. The, I can't remember who it was. There was a puck on into the corner and there's a guy, a defenseman going hard into the corner. Nylander goes and he's just peels off and Pat Foley just goes, well, Nylander uh, and his softness didn't want nothing to do with that play and just gets off the ice. And it was like, wow. <laughs> That's how you really feel, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's to put, to push the announcer who's pretty much like contractually obligated to stay away from staying stuff like that. You really got, you got to try to get to that point, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's uh We'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully no more of that this season. Yeah. But we've talked about all the moves that the Blackhawks have made. Seth Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jonathan Taze is coming back. They've got guys like Debrinkat to fill out the rest of the roster. We've talked about maybe Jeremy Colleton not always running the best combination. So that kind of leads me to what is the expectation in Chicago this season? And where do you see this Blackhawks team matching up against the rest of the central? All right. Ultimate Homer answer playoffs playoffs and a deep run. I think it's more of like a bubble team, but I, I honestly like when you're looking at the Western conference right now, I don't see how many teams got even that much better or than the Hawks did. I think the Hawks got way better than a lot of other teams. Um, if anything, like other teams lost things like 
like Minnesota made it into the playoffs pretty handedly last year. And they lost one of their top two defensemen, Ryan Suter, like big, big minutes guy. And they, I mean, they lost Parise who really didn't really do a lot, but you're going to be seen two years, two years to four years from now, they're paying almost 15 million to those guys alone to just not be there. And it's like, I don't know if they are going to be able to put it together like they did last year. They'll still probably be good defensively. They got a miracle season out of Cam Talbot, who was just like loving the fact that he didn't have to be in Edmonton anymore. Um, who can blame him? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, St. Louis, I'd never have any faith in St. Louis. I fuck St. Louis. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they move Ty- Tarasenko for nothing because that would be just great. Like he's such a good player, but fuck St. Louis. Joy Bennington, um, five more years. Bennington's trash. He's so garbage. Ever since he signed his extension, we were keeping track of his stats, and he was just below league average. He's just fucking garbage. Um, <laughs> Nashville got worse. They lost Ryan Ellis. They lost Victor Arvidsson. Like that's another year of Duchesne and Johansson just making too much money, not doing it like one C job like they both were supposed to be doing. Um, Arizona's garbage like yeah. nobody wants to be there yeah. arizona's arizona they know it they're yeah. they're tearing the whole thing down winnipeg is going to be good colorado is going to be good even Colorado's though colorado lost. i think colorado lost more than they gained yeah we definitely did because sod went to st louis and then don scoy in the expansion draft i do think you guys got better in goalie though Agreed. I think I think Kemper's a much better goalie than Grubauer. On our podcast, I was saying Grubauer is basically Niemi 2.0. He it was very similar to like 2010. Like he, you're a good goalie playing on a team that allows the least amount of shots per game and has like the like a fantastic offense. And it's just like you played great, but there's plenty of other goalies out there that played even better. And I think Kemper like. There was, I think, in the bubble, didn't you guys play Arizona? We did, and Kemper, and Kemper was outstanding. Like, like, a, was, like a 54 save win in, oh, in yeah. like a two to one game or something. Mo- like like that. multiple like, times. Yeah. Oh the, my God. He, it was insane. The first, the first game, especially, it was we couldn't crack Kemper at all. And we just, yeah. we ended up cracking him like three times in two minutes in the third period. And even in the games after he was outstanding, he stole an entire game for Arizona in game three. And we all saw how it went after that with back to back seven of ones and on Grubauer, even before we had like this amazing defense, he was always very solid with us. It certainly helped to have that defense in front of him. And Kemper is really good. It's just the question of course, always comes back to his health and if he can stay healthy, but to be fair, that question goes for pretty much any goalie. It seems because at any time, anyone can just get hurt at any point. And I was talking heading into last season, like, talking about Grubauer's health and if he can stay healthy and it's just, it's a never ending cycle of if goalies can stay healthy, but you're right. The avalanche ended up losing more than we gained because salary cap expansion draft. We couldn't keep sod. We had to lose Don Scoy. We had to trade graves, but we brought in Ryan Murray. We have a strong farm system. We'll have a guy like new hook who can come in and maybe work on that second line. So plus you got Bowen Byram, like another year of Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram. I'm going to, yeah, once I get to covering our our preseason game that happened last night, I'm gonna have a, a praise fest for Bo Byram. I love that <laughs> kid so much. Love Bo Byram. He was the but, one that we were looking at during that draft. We were like, yeah, dude, bring in Bo and Byram, bring in Bo and Byram. And then they got Doc, and I was like, okay, 
little out of left field. That's true. And then, I forgot and then, about that connection. I forgot that 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 was the same draft. I didn't think yeah. about that until just now. And then Doc ended up playing. And I was like, oh, oh, this kid's gonna be so good. <laughs> He's gonna be so good. And so, I mean, I'm happy with where it's at. But I think, like, didn't wasn't that the pick that Ottawa like? It yeah, was Ottawa's that, that pick, was right? the, That was the Matt Duchesne pick. Cal, oh, it's funny because Cal, Cal what McCarr, a steal. yeah, Cal McCarr was our own pick when we sucked and we were last in the league. That yeah. was number four. And then Bo Byram was the exact same spot, number four. And that was when Ottawa was the worst in the league. So we almost got back to back number four best defenseman in the draft guys. And Byram, we're seeing what McCarr's ceiling is. And it's one of the best defensemen of the generation. And I can't oh, wait God. to see what Byram can really bring to the table this season. Yeah, the fact you got two of those is just infuriating as as a rival standpoint. But the fact that we get to see them play that many times now, gotta love them if you're a hockey fan. Imagine imagine how I feel getting to watch them every game. Yeah, they're they're just so good. I can't I can't believe that we have both of them for (laughs) their entirety of their careers, and we'll see what Byram if he's even seventy percent of Macar like. That's oh, the, that's still that's like the best one too. Yeah. yeah, that's the best one too in the league. I mean, eventually Makar is gonna just show up and and be like a point per game, eighty two games, like maybe even ninety points. You're just gonna be like, this is even fucking fair, dude. It might <laughs> be this season. Like, it, it might literally be this season for him. Like, he even yeah, dealt with like a a fair amount of injuries last season, and that stopped him from from winning the Norris over Adam Fox. Like, it might it might even just be this year where he just ninety points in eighty two yeah. games, runaway unanimous Norris winner. I mean, he's that, he's that good. down for nine million for how long you guys did. <laughs> yeah, As it's it's a big contract, but it's such a good contract. Also, where's McKinnon's contract at? Is he almost up? It's like that's not, not fair. You guys don't deserve the, him at six yeah. million. It's not the end of this season, but the end of next. So we're going to okay. be extending him at the end of this season because we're not we're not fucking with that. That is that is going to get solved right away. He's going to sign. Probably, he's going to sign for eight point seven. I guarantee. Like just. What? Because he's obsessed with Crosby. So if you sign if McKinnon, if McKinnon signs at 12 million, I will celebrate because that's what I think it's going to be. I think he's going to take a big Um, still. Yeah. I mean, 12 is a discount. No, that's what I'm saying. The 12 for him, for what he realistically should be making, that 12 is going to be a a nice discount for you guys. Yeah. But that's still double what he's making right now. So that the, Pressure's on a little bit to win in the next two years. But anyway, getting back to Chicago a little bit, where do, where do you guys see them ending up, like one through eight in the, the central division? I, I initially have them in at four. Yeah, I'd say like three or four. I could I could I think four is like is very attainable. I think three um can be like battle of the end of the season, possibly getting that spot. Cause I just oh, I forgot about fucking Dallas. Dallas is actually gonna be healthy this year. <laughs> Yeah, Dallas is going to be good. And so they're going to be good. But I, I see that, like, that it's Colorado 1, Dallas probably 2. And then, like, 3 and 4 and 5 is a battle between, like, Winnipeg, Chicago, and probably St. Louis. Yeah, I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in Winnipeg. I personally have Chicago at number 5. I'm a big believer in Winnipeg. I think they're going to be good. <laughs> I can't, I'm flipping Dallas and Winnipeg. I got Colorado 1, Winnipeg 2, Dallas 3. And then I think the Hawks – like I, I agree with that too. They anywhere between three and five. I think it's four or five seems very realistic, especially for this how good the top of this division is. But that's just how bad the bottom of the division is too. 
Yeah, I mean, I I'll be honest, you guys. For a little while, a couple months now, I had the Blackhawks at six, and then I talked to the Mason from uh, Blues Fan Reacts, and just he believes the team is going to be good, but the the general gist I got is that they're just not very happy right now. The vibe I got is that they're not real. Like your guys' vibe about the Blackhawks is much more upbeat. We're going to do something oh, yeah. this year. I almost want to call it like defeatist for them, even though they still thought they were going to make the playoffs. They still talk about, like, yeah, we'll make it maybe first round exit, but we'll make the playoffs, which it's because the goalie sucks. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> it, no, you, you say that, but that's exactly why. Like that's what, yeah. that's what Mason was saying is that like, it all comes down to Bennington and if he can make it. So I, I pushed the Blackhawks kind of recently up to five above St. Louis, but I have it Colorado, number one, Winnipeg, Dallas. So same as you. And then I have Minnesota who I, th- I think people are, are going a little too hard on now that they have Kaprizov. I think that they're going to be good again. And then the Blackhawks, but the, the thing is that there's going to be five teams in the central that make the playoffs. The oh, Pacific. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're dog shit. They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, LA could have a surprising year because they're the they're the weird one in there. I'm not sure if they will. I still think they might need another year of growth from the the younger oh, guys. Yeah. But like, it's Vegas, Edmonton. Yeah, and Edmonton's Calgary. not even like that good. Yeah, they're still relying they're, on Mike Smith. That's my thing. Like, they're gonna score seven goals a night, but are they gonna keep out eight goals? I'm not. They I mean, I know you guys love Duncan Keith, but. Oh, no, he's uh, not good. Uh, he's yeah. bad. No, yeah. I love also, him for what he gave us, but the fact that we could not get it, get rid of him quick enough. Like, the fact I that we were able to do that we, deal. We stole I that. I can't <laughs> believe that. I, I, I'd I have to find the episode where I reacted to that trip. I couldn't believe it. It's for, for, your, for you guys. The fact that you got something for Keith and didn't retain. Like, yeah, didn't no, retain. We got a player that is a good depth defenseman and yeah. we got a draft pick and a pick like <laughs> yeah third, that's a, con- a conditional second if if they make the finals and keith plays top four minutes for him <laughs> it's like all right cool go for it he's going to like, if they go that far he will play the top four minutes yeah yeah like, he was he was playing 22 minutes a night last year and it's just like the whole time i'm like keith's great i love what he's done he should not be out there for more than 16 minutes <laughs> like He's just getting turned around. He's giving the puck up. Like, it's not good hockey. Like, it's his favorite. If he takes a shot, 90% of the time it's hitting shin guards. Yeah. And then you get teams like Vancouver who don't even have Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes signed right now because they don't have enough money. They're just going to be bad. San Jose is invested in 35 plus year olds. San Jose is bad. They're, they know they're going to be bad. They, well, they act like they're not going to be bad. Anaheim's terrible. Seattle, who knows? Like, I don't know like, how they're gonna score, but they're right. they're they're gonna be there. I don't they're, know. They, I think they're gonna be better than yeah. Like, I, I think they'll be Anaheim. In, <laughs> oh yeah, I think they're gonna be in the race for the playoffs. They I have a good goaltending tandem, which is yeah. good. Grubauer, Grubauer, and Dreger will be. Uh, that's a solid tandem. I like their defense. Oh, yeah. I just don't know how they're gonna put pucks in the net. Yeah. Again, they'll get a lot of defensive scoring like Nashville used to do when they had Shea Weber. Like, I mean, they still technically do with Roman Yossi, but yeah, that that division is is Vegas is to lose, and I don't know how they lose it. Like that Edmonton a catastrophe if they do. Yeah, Calgary. I think yeah, uh, Calgary not having Mark Giordano is going to be kind of weird. I just yeah. and Calgary. I don't even think Calgary's that good. Like no, they're like, not. They're just better than them. 
that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all really is. <laughs> They're just better than the rest of the field. And then if it goes that way, they play Edmonton in the first round and they might be that, like they might not be good and still go to like the second round. Yeah. Cause Edmonton can't do anything. Yeah. Cause they, it's they easy have, enough in the playoffs. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't like, cause we were talking about Kemper with Colorado and yes. we talk about with like Colorado gave up a lot to get Kemper. But my argument is look at Edmonton. They were, they were <laughs> on the other end of that phone with Arizona trying to get Darcy Kemper and look what they did since they didn't get him. Nothing. Yeah. Kemper was the last guy. Brubauer got stolen right out from underneath us when we thought we were going to keep him. Yeah. We had to give up Connor Timmons and the first, but look what the alternative was going to be. Did, would, do you want to be in Edmonton shoes right now? Cause I don't No. No, like they, you, you, they resign. They had to resign Tyson Berry because they lost Adam Larson. They were like, oh, "We weren't going to resign Tyson Berry." And then it's like, "Oh, actually, Tyson, can you come back? You scored the most points last year and had zero Norris votes because the first guy you're not good defensively. Like since the first guy since before Bobby Orr to do that. Yep. Yeah, it's which insane. is fantastic. Outstanding. Oh, it's too it's, funny. That I was gonna say, like, we're talking about all this stuff that happened this offseason. The Keith trade feels like it was a year ago. Like yeah, right. that, that was like yeah. the first thing, like the first rumor that came up is that he was gonna go to like the Pacific, like Western Canada. Does that not feel like it was so long ago now? Like oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was like pre that, it was pre-draft. That's why it feels ah, like forever ago. It hurts my head to think of it. It was like right after the final. It was I, I still haven't, I haven't seen any photos of Keith in an Edmonton jersey, and I kind of just never want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I have. It's weird. It's very weird. But yeah, July twelfth was the official oh, trade. God. That is that is at least five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> might as well be. Yeah, so much has happened since then. But to finish up, October thirteenth, my birthday. By the way, happy birthday! Chicago Blackhawks and Colorado Avalanche will be playing the season opener. Uh, in Colorado, right. how do you guys see that matchup going? And how do you see the rest of the matchups between these two playing out this season? Because it's been a while. We haven't seen each other yeah. since before the bubble, before the whole yeah. craziness of the last kind of season and a half took place. It's been a really long time since we've gotten to play each other. So how do you see that October 13th matchup playing out? And how do you see the other three matchups after that going? I hope it goes better than last year's season opener where Tampa Bay just destroyed us. Um, no, I think it's going to be, it seems some fun hockey. It's going to be a great test right away to kind of see what the Hawks are made of because, you know, the Western conference goes through Colorado, in my opinion, Colorado, Vegas, it's that's where the yep. Western conference goes through. So getting a chance to right away be like, okay, best of the best. Let's, let's see how we hold up. I, no matter what happens, it's, I think it's a great experience for the Hawks and just kind of will be a nice way to set the tone for, okay, this is what we have to expect. This is what we need to do. Now, if we somehow pull off a win, then, I mean, that's just, that's a nice little bonus, but I just, yeah, I just, I just wanted to take as a good learning experience, just kind of, kind of really gauge where this team's at and just kind of go from there. Yeah. I think it's gonna be 10, nothing Hawks. <laughs> and we're not pittsburgh man yeah that was the greatest like season over of all time um but yeah no i mean i just wanted to, i think it's gonna be a great game like i'm worried about how much our chemistry is going to be built up by then and how well the team's going to look playing together when you have like such an incredible first line in colorado 
with Ron and Landis Cog and McKinnon who just click on all cylinders. And it's like, if you're not ready from the second the puck drops at the start of the game, you're already like six steps behind. Yeah. And luckily enough, like we're going with Marc-Andre Fleury this year instead of like three unproven rookie goaltenders. So that kind of is a little bit of a relief. He got to play Colorado, what, eight times last year, plus the playoffs. He knows Colorado at this point. He's probably sick of them. And it's, I mean, it's the start of the Marc-Andre Fleury revenge tour on the NHL. So look out. <laughs> yeah, for a shout out. Vesna winner revenge tour because somehow <laughs> Vegas managed to get that into him. Yeah. And then it's going to be a Seth Jones hat trick and everybody's going to be like, wow, actually, what a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if he scores a point on the power play, I'm going to be stoked. And if we can just on it, like Kemper is going to remind me of when we used to play Varlamov and I'm just gonna be like, why can't we fucking score on 50 shots? Like, it's going to be the worst, but it's going to be a fun game to watch. And we can get always a point in Colorado. Point. Yeah. If we get a point from Colorado, like yeah. throughout this season, I'd be happy because like, that's the kind of game. It's like, I, I think we can win a couple, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like they're Colorado. They, they have all this praise for a reason we need to just push you guys to the brink and just, you know, try to get at least one point because at the end of the day, that's, what's going to make the difference between possibly that fourth or fifth wildcard spot or that third, that third place spot in the division. Also, if Ken McCarr can just like not make anybody look silly at the blue line in the offensive <laughs> zone, I be more than ecstatic, but he does the fake shot all the time. And then toe drags around a diving defenseman and just snipes top like down low. And I'm just like, Oh, well it just always has to look so easy with you now. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't make any promises that he won't. I, I think <laughs> I think it'll be a pretty fun game. I I do think the Abs are going to win it. I think the just the way last season ended for us has left a lot of frustration in that room. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think that the Avalanche are going to take maybe a little bit of that frustration out on opening night. Fans are fully back in the arena. Season opener, first chance to really right that wrong. That was last year. So I think the Avalanche are going to win. And it doesn't help that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be in the other net because I know Nathan McKinnon is the kind of guy that looks at things like that, even if it's not Vegas. The fact that it is Marc-Andre Fleury on the other side, I don't think he's going to be very happy about that. I think it is going to be a very fun game. It'll be fun to see exactly what the Hawks are since we have all these questions about them and what they're going to be. And to be frank, like the way I have my predictions set up, uh, the first round would be Colorado and Chicago meeting as like the first and second wild card. Yeah, that would be that would be a playoff series. Yeah, that would be hate it. Yeah, it'd be a night like a fun little matchup. Chicago's been there, done that. Colorado, obviously, we have had our own struggles in the playoffs. I think they're maybe a little bit overblown because I like. Listeners, my show know I'm also a Caps fan. Like I've been through legitimate, like we can't get past the second round. This isn't that. This is not that whatsoever. So I think it, our playoff struggles are a bit overblown, but I think that would be a pretty fun matchup between us. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, I think it's just a shame that we didn't get to face each other last year and have a, a Zadara versus Saad matchup and now they're that'll never happen because we both don't have those guys nope, they're both gone <laughs> Dorov is in calgary, calgary. now yeah. be, i have to look up when we're playing calgary for the first time so see when mckinnon's gonna get his hands on Zadorov for his his comments earlier this 
off season. I did not carbs. see this then. What is he, the, said, what he was said the something comments? too. He said something too the other day. It's not the, nothing with McKinnon, but he goes. They asked him if he can handle top two minutes or top four minutes, and he goes. I played top four minutes all last year. Do you think I can't handle it? And I'm like, well, you were garbage last year. So bad, bud. (laughs) There's a difference of playing it versus actually handling it. Like, Yeah. I've been doing it since I was 19 in Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Thanks, bud. Yeah. There's a Zadorov. Loved him when he was here. I would question whether he would make the team this year, which is why he's not here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah just with all the guys in front of him. The second he asked to, he was asking for, what was it like? 5.8. Yeah. Like get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, a, that's a big no for me. Oh, that's okay. Love you Z, but you know, it's uh, you can get that somewhere else. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you only have he, like he, 3.25 in Calgary for one year. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. He's a free agent next year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with old Nikita Zadorov. The the comments thing wasn't a big deal. It was basically like a big joke. Remember the whole thing with like McKinnon and like he's a a strict leader with like carbs and stuff like that. He like switched oh, out oh. all the pastas and stuff like that. That's that's all. Okay. There's there's not like legitimate beef between them. But I bet McKinnon, you know, might like grab him by the collar a little bit and be like, "Hey, shut up! <laughs> Don't talk to the media <laughs> ever." And then just name his fist carbs and force feed Zadorov. <laughs> he wanted carbs, son. <laughs> I got two of them. Uh, that's perfect. All right. Well, yeah, I'm excited. Excited for this matchup. Yeah. Little season opener at the ball arena. Yep. Singular ball arena. <laughs> but yeah, Love anyway, thank you both so much for coming on. I can't wait for our season opener on October 13th. This is going to be one exciting season. I think for, for both of us, the entire league, just so much has changed. Like we were talking about so much has happened in just this little under three months that I can't wait to get back to a full 82 game season. I think there's going to be a, a lot of surprises and we'll see how both Colorado and Chicago end up. Yeah. 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 Super Good luck. <laughs> You're going to need it when you face Chicago uh, powerhouse. <laughs> we are certainly terrified. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury revenge tour 2021-2022. Yeah, revenge Don't tour on the team he beat in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> All right storylines well, going on in Chicago. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the show. If you want to take the time real quick to, to plug your show and anything you've been working on, feel free to go right ahead. Yeah. WCV podcast, part of the hockey podcast, ne- hockey podcast network as well. I do that. I fumble that all the time on our show as well. Um, yeah. Just follow us on social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram at WCB podcast. Um, more active on Instagram and Twitter I'm trying to get better. And I will new season. Let's go. I got it this year, but yeah. I don't even have a Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Windy City Benders Podcast. It's all good. (laughs) Well, yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for coming on, and hopefully we'll have you guys on again sometime in the near future. Definitely. All right. Good Good luck to you guys. Thanks, Thanks, man. And that was the fellas from the Windy City Benders Podcast. Thanks to them once again for coming on. And that is it for the Central Division rundown we have all of the other perspectives from all seven other teams 
coming into this next season, and it is going to be one hell of a season. I still believe the Avalanche are better than all the other teams in the division, but it's not going to be easy. There are plenty of good teams that can at least make some noise and challenge us for that top spot, and we're going to have to get through at least some of them in order to get to the Stanley Cup this season, and I think Winnipeg's going to be really good, Dallas is going to be good, and I've been higher on Chicago the last couple weeks than I was earlier in the offseason, and Minnesota, as long as their goaltending holds up, I still think they're going to be pretty solid as well, but I can't wait to see what happens this upcoming season, and we are already underway in the preseason, and we are about two weeks away from the beginning of the regular season when we do take on the same Chicago Blackhawks on October 13th, but until then, that is going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially if you have made it here to the 90-minute mark. I appreciate you all so much. We have cracked the top 100 hockey podcasts in the United States. We have also become ranked in Australia and Norway, as well as holding our spots in the Netherlands and Sweden. Thank you all so much to all of the new listeners and all of the listeners that have been here since day one. I cannot say enough how much it means to me. I appreciate all of you so much, and thank you once again for tuning in to this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Have a wonderful rest of your week. 